relax. What could possibly go wrong? Hi, this is Rebecca Muse, and you're listening to Toddcast. Telework, a new frontier, the wild west of the workplace where rugged pioneers of the public service forge an uncertain path through the unknown along dangerous and uncharted trails in hopes of a new and better life in promised lands beyond. Or so it would be, if this were still 1999. That's the year that the TBS telework policy was unveiled. So why have so few traveled far? Let me tell you what the pioneers have told me. Prejudice, fear, jealousy, optics, presenteeism. That unshakable perception that it's a day off of work with reduced or no productivity. So to manage the potential losses, it's only granted in limited circumstances and to those who can produce a medical note. Some would-be pioneers have told me that they feel penned in, like inhabitants of a tall fort. The fort operational needs, ostensibly built for their own protection to keep orderly business as usual inside and guard against threats outside, erected with walls that are dauntingly high to climb and rules to deter potential climbers. Flash forward to the present. What if before any more entire decades pass, we learn to look at telework another way. As a new way of working that acknowledges the changing world around us, which makes us look increasingly archaic and less appealing to new generations of potential employees. How it might maximize the creative process of introverts and increase the productivity of those that struggle with attention deficit problems how it dovetails so naturally into recent initiatives for work-life balance and better mental health care in the workplace so people aren't forced to statically choose between being at work and taking care of themselves or their families. Hello and welcome, GC. I'm Todd Lyons, and you're listening to Toddcast Season 3, Episode 5, a show for and about public servants. And on this episode, part one of a two-part series on telework. In part two, we'll hear the honest account of a telework arrangement between a manager and an employee who live in different provinces. But to explore the benefits and the barriers to telework, part one will frame the issue with the wisdom of the most experienced teleworker I know of, Nelly Leonidas. As you listen, I hope you'll forgive my occasional one-word responses during the exchange. Nelly is brilliant and energetic and really doesn't need very much from me to completely deliver. This call was recorded by Skype, and I do apologize for the variations in audio quality. I hope, however, that it won't detract from your enjoyment from what is a remarkable and useful discussion.
work. Interesting thing. I was at the CCO on Tuesday. They had their CCO Day of Learning, Learning Day for comms. Yes. And it's such a sensitive topic right now. And by sensitive, I mean sort of like people are really driving toward why is this not a thing? Yes. That I think there's going to be some big shifts in management. And I think the HR and the union to be involved to talk about how telework should be the default. Like it's a yes by default for at least one day a week versus a no by default unless you have an occupational or health reason not. Yeah. The whole point of telework is that it's a personal arrangement because it accommodates you as an individual with very different circumstances than the other person. The template looks the same from a legal point of view in terms of like, it needs to be a set date or you need to let us know in advance if it's going to shift because if something happens to you on the job, there's insurance, that's fine. I don't understand the no without a cause. I know professions that you need to be physically in and they work better when you're in and I understand that, but I'm only speaking in communications. But I would say 30% of the jobs is the absolute maximum. And that is me being extremely liberal that you'll have to be in the office to do the work. But 70% of the time, at least, every piece of technology we've developed since 1995 means we can do it from work home and often better. And I joked around with my previous manager about this. I have done full days of work through my iPhone, produced everything from content that's shareable to strategy just using my iphone a because the connection was faster and unhindered and b because i was in so many meetings it was just happening naturally if i went and i worked from vancouver you would have no idea where i was located you'd get the exact same responses we'd be having this conversation you'd probably only miss me walking around completely clueless about what's going on in pop culture having nothing to relate to by way of game of thrones or the bachelor so that's what you'll be missing in person that makes two of us well, I don't know if you want to go through a sequence of how telework started for me, if that's something of interest. Absolutely. But heard, okay? Make it very personal. That That's what I'm going for always. Yeah. <laughs> I had a manager who was really good at, like we worked together before, but we came to do something big for the department, put it on the map online. And um, she understood how I work in the sense that when you have a creative function to your marketing and communications, there has to be a degree of personality infused in the work so that you can produce the most. So she knew I do uninterrupted work in places where inspire me. Like I can go to a coffee shop and work because I'm stimulated by the conversation. And if I'm writing about people, I want to be around people. If I'm creating marketing strategies around how people consume information. And I usually find a way to incorporate that back because it's basically like a live Petri dish. And she knew me well enough as a person to know that the best way to get me to do the best work that I could produce is to A, let me be, like just give me the big broad, I need these things by the end of the day or the week and walk away and let me come up with different solutions because she always got a lot more than she asked. So she'll say like, I need five ideas, I'll give her 25 because we just worked really well that way. And at some point, I was having some issues with the technology at work um, and I told her, listen, I'm just gonna work from home tomorrow or whatever. And she was like, okay. So I started doing it about once every two weeks or so I was creating a big strategy for a big priority that we had, just like the social media engagement side and the community management, a little bit of marketing. And I remember I used to just kind of drive to these very busy coffee shops and I would write, just I'd observe a lot and then a lot of it would come through idea forms. And I was turning out these 12, 15 page strategies with like, this is what we're going to do. This is the channel here, some tactics. This is the kind of visuals we'd use. And I'd give it to her. And she'd walk by like the next day and she'd be like, I have no idea how your brain works, but I absolutely love it. Like so great. You know, she's like, I don't even know where to start digging. And I'm like, okay. And it just became a thing. Fast forward to my work with another manager in the same department. She was very fine with telework, 
but she wanted it more formalized because she was worried from a occupational health and safety. If something happens and I'm not there, I'm not actually covered unless you have an agreement. So the way she said that while we slowly present the idea to the director and the DG, I'll still do it on the down low, not really share it with anyone. And then we are going to sell it as a pilot for the DG, three month pilot increments of telework. So I kept on the down low and then she had produced a telework agreement. She found one and some clause in a TBS policy somewhere that said, uh, it's a way of managing talent, right? Retaining talent. This is a good way of keeping people happy in the office. And she used it and she slowly pitched it. Like there was a degree of patience to the DG who agreed to the three month pilot. So I decided that I'm just going to slowly track the differences between what I do at home and what I do at work. And I started this little Excel and it was basically how many breaks I take when I'm home, how many phone calls I take when I'm home, what's my lunch break looking like and how much do I put at the end of the day, put out at the end of the day. So one week I had responded to 47 emails on that one day. I had one conference call that I was able to do from home and just participate in and create the notes for. And I had done a full strategy in that day, like start to finish, got, you know, the tasking the day before, produced it and shipped it out by the end of the day. Like it was a very highly productive day. And I also forgot to take breaks. And I only remember to eat lunch at 1230 because I was genuinely hungry. And I looked at the town and I'm like, holy heavens, it's 1230. I went to the kitchen. I got like whatever I could find, came back and kept going at it. And I think I finished around 4 or 4.30, but I started around 7.30 because I didn't really have to commute, right? Now I'm an hour and a half for way commute-wise, but I used to be 50 minutes in that job. And, you know, I still got up at the same time. I ate breakfast and then off to work I went because I was kind of eager to clear the whole deck. And my telework day was Wednesdays, which worked really well because when I had that set routine, people knew that we can have all the in-person meetings they wish to Monday, Tuesday, you know, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. But Wednesday, they could only do it via email or phone call or something. So a lot of times I found less last minute taskings because, you know, people knew I wasn't going to be available for those meetings and they book things on Tuesday. And the director general, he's a very supportive person. He's about mindfulness and positive workplace. So the telework agreement for the team, for that particular team, the pilot extended to other members. So we actually started rotating. Someone has the Monday, someone has the Tuesday, I had my Wednesday, someone got Thursday. At the end of it all, like we had the telework agreements, we were doing the honeymoon the 90 day increments, just because it was a risk management tool in case someone wasn't delivering as much as they were supposed to, their telework agreement could be revoked. And I'm very okay with that. I'm, I'm okay if you're having new staff and you don't really know how they work and there's trust to be built, then do the 90 day increments, review them at the end, you know, ask questions. If people seem to be not, ava- not available when they're teleworking, look into why that might be and maybe have a conversation about you're just the same way you know, working at home as you would be here, I expect to hear from you within the hour, you know, on an email or something, if that's an expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to trust that the technology they have at home is actually better. But if you're worried about security things, and I did work in a protected environment for a long time, I would never send myself a file from my work environment to my Gmail, because I know the risks associated with that. So I'd have two computers running. One is my work computer with the protected, and the other one is the one I actually use to look for trends and click on dubious links, you know. I'm taking personal risks here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, that's a very easy way to manage this firewall system that we have that does not let you go into most of the sites that are quite legitimate for your work purposes. In my work life, in my personal life, and overall in government, it's been making me think how something like telework seems to be very compatible 
with other things that we've been talking about for some time, like getting better work-life balance and more mental health sensitivity in the workplace. It seems like mm -hmm. this is a, a very obvious enabler to allow you to be both productive, but also a more functional person that's able to take care of themselves, able to take care of family, and not have to choose one or the other. Of course. Big focus. And I'm, like I said, not a parent, and I'm hypothesizing, and I have no right to do so because I don't have living subjects near me to hypothesize hmm. upon. But I look at how I grew up and how a lot of you know my close friends and family grew up, and we had an element of routine in the way we were sent off to school and met in that we would have breakfast with the family and then we would be shipped off. Someone will either walk you to the stop or something like that. And you'll have a conversation that is just different. You know, the older I got, the more interesting conversation I got with my mom on the way to the school bus. And there's like a nice little routine of bonding and, and a way to start your day, right? And it wasn't rushed. It was leisurely because my mom didn't have to run somewhere to be somewhere on time or catch the next bus or whatever. And I remember those moments a lot. I don't remember a lot of like school, you know, you know, from education, your friends and so on. But I don't really remember a lot of the childhood bits, except these little moments I had with my mom and then my dad sometimes and my sister when she grew up. And those to me are foundational, right? Like in the way I feel affection towards people and build bonds in the community and so on. And I think if I was a parent and I was teleworking, I would take the time in the morning to spend it with my children and not have to worry about rushing them out the door so I can rush out the door. I would just use those moments to build the bonds with the children and then send them off to school, come back, not have to worry about the fact that I'm going to get stuck in rush hour now that the kid took five minutes longer to walk or whatever. And I would go through my day and there would be that, that moment to look forward to at the beginning and the end of the day where you can just have those personal moments of, familial ties or just affection, whatever the case might be. And I think some of that is missing when, when I see some of my colleagues and I, there's a few of them that are doing a great job as parents, but they're frazzled. Sometimes I just want to be like, Hey there, Mr. Manager, take the time to come in later. You know, I'll try to cover for your meetings or whatever, because I want you not to feel like anytime your kid has some need in the morning that you need to ship them off as soon as possible to make it here and then apologize for being five minutes late because the little one didn't get his stuff together. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like I just, they're rushing through their life to meet some timeline that I still don't understand. Maybe that's a different podcast, but yeah, I don't know. Like for me, those, those little moments are key. Like my work from home day, sometimes during lunch hour, I'll, you know, let the team know I'm stepping out or something. If there's nothing urgent and I will go for a walk in the neighborhood. And it looks so different in the daytime than it does in the evening when I'll come back from work. Right. You just see different things and you hear different sounds. And it's just like that little refresher you have in your day. Or, you know, I'll bake something in that break and the whole house will smell nice for the rest of it. And those are odd things to talk about when you're, you know, in a professional context. But it makes it makes such a difference on your quality of life. You feel like you're a human not missing out. You're looking out the window. It's an interesting sight. It's daytime. You feel like you have options in the world and throughout your day. And it makes you work a little bit faster because you're excited and your heart rate's pumping and you're happy and endorphins are, you know, rushing everywhere. And there's very positive impact on the workplace. You're coming in the next day. You're like, I had a great day. Here are some cookies that I made yesterday at lunch or whatever after work. And I got all this work done. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to today. It's a different state of mind. And I think it's the little things. We always focus on like some big announceable and we want to solve X problem or little problem. But from my experience, it's the little things that make or break your day. And 
telework, you know, when it's possible, it's such an easy way to give you your life back in a way that no one's ever talked to us about how constantly connected information workers with Blackberries robs us of the little moments. You know, that little red dot of email notification is the devil after 6 p.m. And like no one talks about that effect, but somehow they're, they're interlinked. I don't know. Does that make sense to you, Todd? Yes. Give people the freedom to do it and watch the anxiety decrease significantly when there's a weather event that is massive enough to interrupt their quality of life. Like I know me, this, this winter, there were two trips that I took from home. I left earlier to avoid a lot of this drama, but that didn't work. Um, it took three hours to get to the office, like genuinely two hours and 50 minutes from my bus stop to the door of the office. And so I came in around 9.50, 10, when I usually come in at 8, 8.15, quarter to 8. So um, that cut into productivity significantly. And I wasn't going to stay until past 5 o'clock because there's no buses that run from that particular building out. And I like public transport, so I didn't want to drive in, especially not in 30 centimeters of snow. No. Um, so I will leave. And, of course, it took another two and a half to get back home and multiple aches in every corner because the bus was crammed and you're getting you're at the mercy of every break the driver you know steps on and you're squashed and the atmosphere is quite poisonous on the bus where people just are done with everything mm-hmm. to be about water and OC and whatever and you're just like this is such a miserable environment so you're coming home it's like 7:30 now you're hungry delirious and you're like I hate the city I hate everything I absolutely despise the color of white like just you're done you're coming home. You're not going to be productive on any other aspects. I'm not going to draw anything. I'm not going to write anything. I might make something quick to eat or I might just eat whatever I can find in my way and move on. And you're physically exhausted because it was very emotionally and, and physically draining to do all this in day. And of course, the, the actual bit that's important, your productivity at work, that's gone. Half of the day, you honestly spent time talking about the awful weather and yeah. not looking at the that you came in late, your whole routine is disrupted. A lot of us function well in like increments, you know, so I'm a morning person. I get everything done in the morning. In the afternoons, you can have me a social now, no problem. But I like clarity and thinking is between 8 and 10.30. Like that is gold time. And then after that, you know, operational and so on. We know ourselves well enough to know when our strengths are. So when my morning is completely shot, the, the, the domino effect on the whole day is, is there. And I think, had I not done this, had I just had my laptop, and that's just me poorly planning, by the way, but I'll use that as an example. <laughs> had I just grabbed it the night before, I would have started at 7, watched the beautiful snow out the window, turned out everything I wanted to do for work, had time to go outside and shovel my driveway, you know, not have gone into that awful mood for the rest of the week because of the weather, which is an externality I cannot control. And I would not have had to jam in with 50 million people and get passed by a few buses before I was able to get on one. And I did not have to see a lot of these poor people that are one person in the vehicle driving all along Woodruff and they're stranded or some of them are, you know, in the ditch because it's quite slippery and white out conditions and so forth. You think this is, this is such a strain on everything. And the solution is just mindful allocation of resources, which includes people on those days, right? It would be such an easy case study to say, okay, Ottawa, take it easy on that day, work from home. If you have the tools, plug in from home. And then watch the roads get plowed faster, watch less accidents happen, watch the buses run efficiently, not get stuck. There's no crazy wait. People are actually getting on the buses. There's no half an hour delays because of some accident somewhere. Do you know what I mean? I like do. That is an easy thing to look at and track. And we can kind of predict when to do it because the forecast is there. It's just, hey, employers, do it. Just alleviate the pressure. And, and there you have it. Like I think 
if that is not a good idea for what we can do to work within our communities to make them a little bit more livable, then I don't know what is. I agree. There are days that that I regretted coming into work just because it was just, I, I drive, I have to, because mm-hmm. every day, just about every day, I'm doing either the pickup or the drop-off for the children. So getting them to school or picking them up after school is just is just part. And then I get myself to work. But there are days that it's taken me so long to get there. By the time I'm there, I'm completely stressed out because it took you know twice as long or more than it usually does. And I've had people impatient cutting in front of me, people almost rear-ending me. I'm completely stressed out just by the the amount of traffic and the the dangerous driving and the slippering the slippery uh, conditions. And I, I get there and I'm just I'm exhausted at the point that I sit down at my desk. But you know, I'm I'm supposed to to now be fully charged and ready to get my best work done because I'm also more of a morning person. I I I've, I have my most amount of creativity and uh yeah and and zeal first thing in the morning and it's kind of a downhill slide. Uh, you know, through the mid-afternoon <laughs> to the end of the day. Absolutely. To me, it's also a talent retention tool. I will not go work for a department that does not have telework or management that has negative views about it or uninformed views, because so often they are. And I would stay in a place that maybe stopped being, you know, challenging until I figure out what my next project is, but is supportive of that initiative because it shows that they have trust in their staff. You know, they keep talking about how do we compete with the Shopify's of the world and how do we bring in the people? And you're like, you actually need to worry about keeping the people you have, bring the people. And you have very, like such an array of tools available to you from a union point of view and legalities that you should just use them. It's interesting when you think about the little hacks we can have at work. How much drama could be avoided and anxiety by implementing one simple tool we have at our disposal. But the big risk is not anything operational. It's more trust. Like, do I trust you enough to for you not to be in my presence? And I always think, well, I don't trust a lot of people that I see to know what I'm doing. So they walk by and they can look as much as they want, but you genuinely have no idea what I'm up to. So why, is it, why do you need to see me to validate that for yourself when we might have data that proves otherwise, like I'm not productive, for example, in the office or something? Like the devices that I have at home are tenfold superior to the ones that issued by the government. And the setup is different and it's built around my personal strengths. So I'm able to turn out enough product in one day to compensate for a week doing the same at work, if not more. And when we looked at it, how much, how much um, productivity was happening in that one day, it was basically 120% more output than the average day that I had, but oftentimes thought it was around a 140% mark. I was 140% more productive. I, I processed more emails in that one day, which was one of the benchmarks I used. I delivered more strategies, or if it's a big, like, multi-month departmental overarching strategy, there were bigger milestones met every single week. And I would send, the, like, the emails or the, or the update to my boss at the end of the day. So my former manager used to say, you know, she hated Wednesdays because that meant like Nellie is just going to fire them off one by the other. She goes, you should see my inbox at the end of Wednesday. It's just you <laughs> with every single thing we talked about in the week. But she also liked it because anytime someone would say, you know, telework, she'd be like, it works great. I think the thing that I struggle with the most that I don't have to struggle with at home is the the amount of time that it takes me to restart my brain and get back into the groove that I had 10 seconds before that person walked into my office to talk about something completely unrelated. I read somewhere that that 
takes 20 minutes to sort of get yourself back to the point that you were prior to, to an unexpected interruption and, and get that same level of creativity of flow, which yeah. f- for me feels like, okay, if I have three people an hour sort of dropping by to have me read this or ask about this or talk about this, that I've spent most of that hour trying to get into the mode of work as opposed to actually being creative and productive. I've read some studies, John, that says 40 minutes, up to 40 minutes. Oh. It depends on the sort of person you are. No, exactly. So now you've intruded upon me, but I, I don't want to be unfriendly. And I also love seeing my colleagues, but you unintentionally derailed a few things I had going because you thought your dropping in is nothing, really non-consequential. But to me, it's like you've disrespected the time or my attention. So now we have that little poisonous aspect going on and so on and so forth. Like This sounds too good. Tell me about the drawbacks and limits of telework. So, sorry to say, I've managed lots of communities online, but one in-person interaction equals 15 online ones, right? So those are important bonds to build. So I think it's important that they do come to the office and see their colleague, build those relationships in person. I had like an open door policy. I called them like office hours where people could just stop in and chat about whatever they want, like ask questions about social media tools. How come we did this? Metrics was a big thing. You know, where does the audience live? Trends were big. And I mean, that to me, of course, bigger point was that I'm helping a bunch of people work in a way that we want everyone to start working digital by default and so forth. But it was also really good for building relationships within team members. Like I absolutely adored. I mean, I like my job now, but I can speak more at length because telework happened at public safety more. So um, I knew everybody on the, you know, the comp shop and I've had a good working relationship with all of them. But it wasn't like an overnight thing where you just somehow had a great working relationship. It's just you got to know them. You had the luxury of them passing by, stopping in for a chat, talking about something, asking a question. And they were not getting in the way of me doing things because I had my Wednesday. I could do all the work that I wanted to do in that one day. Sometimes it wouldn't end at 4 or 5 or 6 p.m. It would go longer because I wanted to free my days for other activities and for people to come in and stop by. And for me to get pulled into last minute meetings to provide an idea on this or brief someone on that and to be able to go for a walk at lunch every day because leaving the office is one of the best things you can do for yourself every day. You know, Um, the manager herself preferred not to. And when I kept asking her, why not? Like, you could be one of us. You could catch up on all the work and have your terrible long conference calls on that one day. And she was like, no, actually, I like I need to be around people. Otherwise, I get like, you know, I'm an introvert by nature, but I want to be around people. What forces me to do that? And I like to be here. Like it's a place thing. I get to change scenery from my house to here. So I don't like work from home. And I've heard that often enough from people who don't want to telework, that they don't trust themselves to be productive at home. They haven't learned how to, or people with children, they're like, no, no, I really can't get any work done if I'm in the house with kids. I'm better off being in the office, getting work done and then going there. And those are all very fair things, right? Like people know themselves well enough to say that wouldn't work. I've heard some theories as to why people think that it's hard to get telework. Well, with the exception of a medical note, that seems to be the the simplest way to to get it. There's no argument. Mm -hmm. But there seems to, I don't know if it's, it's, okay, I'll just go down the list. Optics, I guess. Absolutely. The person's not coming in, so this can create, okay, the perception that they're having a day off of work, they're having reduced productivity or no productivity, They're, they're having like a Netflix binge at home. Whether this is real or, or not real, it can also come from, I suppose, jealousy of the people that don't have access to that same that same telework ability. Like they're getting it, you know, why don't I get it? You know, I'm going to make a complaint I about it because that. yeah, I did 
I mean, we don't talk about it often enough, but it's the trust aspect. Like all of the people that have been able to telework, whether officially or not, were people who trusted me to do my job. I mean, they took a degree of risk, like we're going to let this person do this and manage the, the people walking, the optics of it. And optics is the biggest deterrent for most managers to agree. If you are running a team of three people and one of them is gone and some fake emergency, because they always are, comes up, someone is running and trying to find anyone on your team to do it, that's one less person they can tackle. And, you know, that might reflect badly on you or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of sideway comments that I get, which is, you know, it's not fair. How come it's just her? How do I know she's not running her personal errands on that time? How do I know she's not watching TV or whatever people would like to do in their spare time at their home? Some of them were not pleased with the way I work anyway, and that I'm really active with a lot of communities practice outside of the office. So oftentimes I'll go and I'll meet with a community practice and put on like a workshop or something. It's not part of my departmental work. It's part of the broader GOC thing. But they had like, well, how come she gets to leave and come and go? And my boss was like, that's kind of her job. And like, if we are to be better seated online, we need some person to kind of promote that too for people that don't know that we're doing this and get best practices and so on. So she was able to do that much. But I think at some point, it was getting to everyone that there's all these like extra privileges, which they weren't. They were just, as far as I'm concerned, sort of occupational accommodations. If you want to work, if you want me to work around assumptions of what people like to read and do and see and think, I need to be around more than just the bubble of five or six people on the team. So with time, it just became a little bit more like hush hush. And I was very mindful of how it is. And like, I have to give her kudos because she never pulled the plug on any of it. She just wanted more advanced notice at that time. Um, and she, I think, personally took a lot of the slack for you're letting this person run the show here. Um, she shielded me from a lot of that because I've only known what the other people were thinking and, and how much resistance there was after she had left. So, like, she was an enabler. But before that, I had a manager who also teleworked regularly so I knew when I first got into government that this is an option like people can do it and I knew it because in school you know you can go to the university you can go to the courses you can get the information you want you can still do 90% of your job through email with your team members and so on and then I had people who impose assumptions like oh you're walking around in your jammies all day when you're working from home that must be great I'm like actually I do dress up not quite to the extent that I went to the office but I make a point of doing everything I do in the morning like showering whatever putting on different clothes, coming downstairs to like the office area. I have an office area and working because it puts me in a work mindset. Like I'm not lounging. The comments that I got a lot from people who I think just didn't know better or they didn't know how to phrase their frustration in a way that didn't look like they were projecting it on me was something like, oh, tomorrow's your telework day. It must be so nice to get the day off. And I'm like, no, no that's not how that works. You can get a hold of me and actually I can guarantee you an email response back. Whereas I do not guarantee those when I'm in the office. I genuinely will triage emails of most important to least important. It's completely subjective to me what I think is important, what isn't, unless it's a stated priority, you know, and I will get back to you at my convenience. And if I'm pulled in a five hour meeting series on Monday, you are not hearing back from me until Thursday. So it's definitely not that. And to this point, day I get things like oh well I'll, I'll just book a meeting with you when you come back or I'll call you when you come back and I'm like no you can call me when I'm away on like Wednesdays or Thursdays you can you know message me we can do a remote like we can Skype in together you can see my face if you wish to we can have like I'm available to you don't postpone your work for one day thinking I'm not around I am around 
if I'm on holidays, I'm not checking anything, but I am checking absolutely everything and more on my work from home days. So I still get those comments. I knew that going in and I knew that trust was a thing. Like I, I was lucky enough to build some relationships with managers where we had that trust. I trusted them with my ideas and career and they trusted me to do the job well. But then there's a lot of people who came from an environment of, I guess, distrust and yeah. they projected that onto their staff. So they, you know, they had managers who basically walked around with a clipboard checking productivity. That's the only thing they've ever learned in terms of management. So they would do this, not even knowing why or why not that they're doing it. Does that make sense? It does. Like, it sounds just, like I, I wish you would write this up as a pitch that people could download and fill in their own little details in or use as a starting point to have a conversation with their manager or yeah, to try to well, sell their uh, own right. three-month uh, three thing. So let me paint you a scenario. I want you to react to it. I'm in a telework arrangement with a person that I've known for a very long time. I feel like we already have that baseline of trust. They're mm -hmm. open to uh, allowing me to telework. And rather than take a day off because it's a snow day and my kids are at home without supervision, I, I telework that day. The next day, one of the kids is sick. And rather than take a family day, I, I stay home and I telework. This occurs, you know, a few times in a month. And suddenly there's concern as to, well, how much longer is this going to go on for? So what have I done wrong? Uh, I've been at the computer all day. I answer the emails that come in. If uh, you're tied in with the software that SSC, Shared Services Canada, has called AppGate, you're, you're tied in so well to the system, you're, you're actually connected to your own desktop at work, and people even mm -hmm. see the little green light next to your name in Outlook so they can tell that you're, that you're actually there. You've got access to your Microsoft Link instant chat, so you can also chat with people in real time through your software. And yet, that situation doesn't work out. So what went wrong? Well, I'm probably the worst person to run this scenario through because I wouldn't know what to tell you. To me, it seems like, mm, is your job dependent on you physically being there? Like, is there some sort of this red button must be pushed every day so that we don't go to war with a country kind of job? I don't know. And that's where I was sort of struggling with the idea. Uh, if people can reach you through, through email and through instant messaging, you're able to access all of your documents because you've got a secure connection to your own desktop at work plus the, the files that are uh, in the, the SharePoint yeah. system. But the problem I, is that I, you're just not there physically. But if you're not a manager, is that is that really a problem? And if the alternative is not being at work at all, having to take a sick day or, or a personal leave day, are you really robbing the organization? Or yeah, is it just is it just prejudice? Is it misunderstanding? Do you need to well, work that much harder, that 120 or 140 percent, to to demonstrate to uh, your manager or other people there that you know not only are you there, you're there 140 percent because you're you're producing much more than you would have had you come in that day. So, like to be quite clear, I don't have children, so I don't know <laughs> if a child's sick, how much hands-on attention they would need. Right? I think maybe it depends on the child and the illness. But if it's something that's reoccurring, like your child has an ailment where it's low attention from you unless it's crisis mode, you just need to be kind of around. I have such admirations for working parents at work. You have no idea. Just the system is set up to almost exhaust them from the beginning. So, and I mean the system at large, not the public service, you know. But if it's something reoccurring like that, it is something I would approach manager and say, this is a pattern, but, you know, it's going to happen. And the one thing that you said, though, producing more when I was tracking my uh, emails and how much um, how many strategies I was turning out every week from the one day at home I don't think it was 120 and 140 percent I think it was that when I was in the office it was 60 to 80 percent productivity 
just because of all the, if you want to robotize me, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was performing slightly below because I had all these interruptions yeah. and the interruptions are things that you don't calculate when you're producing outputs for people. You don't think that if Nelly's friendlier to five people and teaching them how to do X, we're going to save time down the year editing their work because that no longer has to happen. They're well taught and self-sufficient. So we can allocate that resource to another project that doesn't happen often enough. So all of a sudden we're not thinking about that. They're also not thinking about how all of these things influence the amount of work you do. I have this theory, and it's not based on any data. It's just me, that we don't actually know what the output that we have in the federal service looks like for people, per person. It's not something you can quantify anyway. But on the whole, very few managers of mine, those who work with long stretches, know how much I can produce in a week or not. But because of the nature of marketing and priorities like that, it's not even something you can predict. I can't predict myself. There are weeks where I'm... 15 things are coming up every single day from my desk, and there are some weeks where you'll get to. But on the whole, I just don't think we're aware of how much we can produce and how much we're producing. So it seems like 140, 120%, but in my head, if I imagined every day to be a telework day in terms of output, I would only need to work two, three days a week, period. But going back to your initial question, so I would approach my manager if that's a, a series going on with a child and children, and I would say, like, this is the situation, this is the fact fact that you're accessible that's the thing that i don't understand let me sideways again here from 2009 to 2011 i worked at global affairs now it used to be defate back then and my job todd was to be in communication with all of the embassies and missions abroad except i think afghanistan and the u.s and south sudan so germany australia new zealand those were my clients people that worked on their websites and their social media how often did you think we met in person (laughs) Is this a trick question? It's a half trick question. I only met a fraction of them one time in the two years I worked there. Yeah, as you'd expect. Uh How often do you, how how often do you think they knew what location I was working from when I was talking to them via GC Connects, on GCpedia, through our own internal debate mechanisms, on Skype mostly? Mm -hmm. How often do you think that happened? (laughs) Like zero percent. We're like, oh, today she's in. Alamon, tomorrow she's in Ottawa, the day after she's in Vancouver. How often do you think they thought about these things? Zero, not at all. Right. I, I, am I able to communicate with her somehow? You know, it doesn't matter where. Well, but yeah. yeah, but um, do you think at any point they questioned whether or not I was available? Not unless you gave them some reason to, uh, yeah, by just being unavailable at any particular, a really right. bad day or, or consistently. Yeah, so all the work was done then and there, and they were my client. We had really good relationships. When I left foreign affairs, I, like I got emails and then Facebook messages from some of the people I've worked with. Just we keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Like we built a strong enough relationship to do this. I mean, that work happened and it gave, it gave me huge insight into how you can make communities around ideas and projects independent of where people are. I used to get emails at all times, you know, because I had China to deal with and New Zealand. And then I'd have like someone from Argentina and, and the other side and Everybody got responded to within X amount of hours, right? That was some service standard that my manager had set. And like they wouldn't know the difference. And I think that experience is the reason why I have a hard time dealing with optics. I just don't understand them because my first jobs in government were basically about not being physically in front of the person I'm working with. They were about figuring out ways to work better with them using the tools that we had and getting the job done. And it didn't matter whether it was email 
some other third-party platform for collaboration, Skype on our own personal devices. We got the job done. And we had time to build a relationship. And we had times to get into arguments over things and then fix those, you know, situations. And talk about Norwegian ovens. And, and you know, they, they just interesting things came out of all of that. At no point have I ever failed to do my job. And at no point have they ever given my manager feedback that said, uh, you know, she's not available or they had no idea. It was it was just the job. You were in Ottawa and you worked with everybody else in the world. It didn't matter. We just had to have a solid computer connection. That's all that was required. I know that I, speaking on behalf of parents, if I'm allowed to do that, would certainly appreciate the the benefit of not having to sort of choose between coming in and uh, leaving my children with whatever arrangements I can find versus being here and being able to probably put in more yeah more productive time by by just staying in my work office than than yeah yeah being so, mentally divided uh, children can be taught you said something about some people being concerned that staying at home would would result in you know it's just a different kind of interruption but you know I'm sitting in my my home studio here recording this podcast and I guess my children, my youngest is eight, but they're all intelligent enough to read a sign on the door and realize, oh, daddy's recording, so I'm not going to go in there right now. And mm-hmm. I've had the same experience on the few times that I've had stayed home to do, you know, to, to work from home. They understand, well, assuming that the, that it's a sick day and I'm still trying to do some work anyway, that when I'm sitting at my desk, when it's, when it's a normal work day, even though I'm physically in the house, I'm, you know, I'm mentally at work. And there hasn't been a real difficulty trying to, to draw that line in the sand with them and have it respected. To be continued. You've been listening to Toddcast Season 3, Episode 5. All opinions expressed on Toddcast are strictly those of the individual and are not necessarily those of their employer. My special thanks to the Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health, Hallie Cottenham, Wei Chen, and Lucy Van Olden Barneveld, and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Michael Wernick, the Honorable Scott Bryson, and Treasury Board of Canada Secretariat, the Community of Federal Regulators, the National Managers Community, Artemis 21, Mary Elizabeth Baker, Jen Berger, Anna Belanger, Nancy Chowan, Jean-Francois Claude, Mary-Claude Cote, Alison Detoni, Ioana Finicu, Adam Fritz, Yvette Fung, Rod Gallant, James Gilbert, Abe Greenspoon, Shannon Haynes, Justin Henry, Jennifer Hollington, Stacey Yalelogy, Susan Johnston, Terry Kelly, Haley Kahn, Melaine Lafleur, Hugh Lerisson, Life and Diaspora, Martha McLean, Steph Moulton, Joy Moscovich, Misa, Aaron Percival, Andre Picard, Corey Porter, Jillian Prank, John Price, Christopher Scipio, Ryan Seguin, Christopher Slaney, Lily Speck, Mark Templin, Jackie Tweedy, Stephen Wynn, and Catherine Parker, and Darlene Marion for their support and contributions to the Toddcast community. 
you can support us too. Wherever you found us, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, social media, or on my website, let us know that you heard Toddcast and help us to reach a little further in getting meaningful content out to the public service of Canada. Become a subscriber, share the episodes, rate our content, and write. And let us know what's on your mind. You can reach me at Todd at Toddlines.ca or you can start a conversation with your fellow listeners on the Toddcast group on GC Connects. Toddcast is planned, written, and technically produced using free and open source software. Canboard, DocuWiki, and Audacity running on Kubuntu Linux and Linux Mint XFCE edition. Software that is free as in cost, but more importantly, free as in freedom. This episode's theme music was Vagabond by The Kinky Fingers and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license. Toddcast content is free to use and share under the same CC by SA license because, like open source, open content and open licensing makes the world a better place. I'm Todd Lyons. I'll see you online.